But we're going to continue. So we've seen that Jesus did not let pain turn into trauma. We've also seen that despite that pain, including pain caused by us, He still had a heart to forgive. See, we're all going to face pain, and we all will and must forgive. So what comes next? What is our purpose? It's not just to endure, though endurance will be necessary. It's not just to forgive, but we will and must forgive. Again, I think we'll find the answer with Jesus. This comes from chapter 6, entitled, Dare to Dream from the Cross and the Savior. We find the passage that Micah Whitehead alluded to in the communion, Luke 23, verse 35 through 43. The people stood watching, and even the leaders were scoffing. He saved others. Let him save himself if this is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also mocked him. They came offering sour wine and said, If you are the King of Jews, save yourself. An inscription was above him, This is the King of the Jews. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him, Don't you even fear God? Since you are undergoing the same punishment, we are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. You know, this man is not named except by the description criminal. Talk about identity, right, Madison? That was his identity. He's a criminal. And yet, he heard the words from Jesus while he's dying on the cross that we all want to hear. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Despite the abandonment, despite the judgment, despite the pain, Jesus, nailed to a cross, hands and feet, was still about His purpose. He was still looking for an opportunity to love someone. And even the man next to Him, a criminal, who, by the other Gospel accounts, was also heaping insults. Originally, both of them were. But something during that time, seeing how Jesus responded, seeing how Jesus said, Father, forgive them, His heart changed. His mind changed. And I really love this story because I think it really is the story of mankind. That we're all one of those three. And actually, we're only one of those two. Jesus, and then a criminal, and a criminal. One who's condemned, one who is penitent, repentant. That's it. That's the only choice we have in that. Which criminal are we? Because Jesus is Lord regardless. And He had the heart to love. We all have a chance. Now, I know this is a hard thing to hear, but for Him, He was about to die, so it would have to be today. What would Jesus say to us who weren't dying immediately? 
What would be the purpose He gives us? We're going to get to that. But nonetheless, what a powerful testament to God's grace. How much could this dude really repent? He was hanging on a cross too. This ought to change our mind of what is repentance that God is actually looking at? Is it by what we do that identifies us? Or is it by what we actually think correctly about ourselves in the presence of God that will lead us to the right things that allow us to stand eternally in God's presence? I love the quote from Mark Templer from the book. It says, And yet in that moment of supreme pain, Jesus loved the man hanging next to him, a thief who had lived a life of sin. Jesus had a dream to help one person. The Bible does not record his name, just the word criminal to tell us who he was. He admitted that he and his fellow criminal were being punished justly. At first, both of the men were abusing Jesus. But one of them had a change of heart, a change of mind. He saw the love of Jesus and realized the truth about himself. Sometimes when we see our own bad behavior in others, we realize the truth about ourselves. Any parents here? You know this is true. The things that we're correcting our children, and then we go, wait a minute, where'd they learn that? When we see our own bad behavior in our children, like, gut check. This is amazing. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole theological debate surrounding the passage concerning paradise. We'll save that for another time, because I don't actually think that was the point of this passage. I think the point of this passage was not about that. It was about, in that moment, because that day could have been any of their day. Everyone standing at the cross, it could have been their day. But on that day for him, he repented. And there's a reward for that. That's all I think Jesus is really trying to get into. But don't worry, we'll have other lessons about heaven because that's an important topic. Alright, Fred? So hold me to that, we'll get to that. But I do need to address some false teaching that has come from this story about the penitent thief. See, a lot of people will use this saying that if you interpret this, this means that baptism wasn't necessary for salvation because the criminal was not baptized. Therefore, it's not required. Okay. First of all, what is baptism? Let's answer that question. Romans 6, 3-4. Get ready to move your Bibles, guys. We're going to do some Bible reading. It says, in Romans 6, verse 3, Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried with Him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. What is baptism? Sharing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Has Jesus died yet? Was He buried yet? Has He risen again yet? No! So the penitent thief, even if He was, it wouldn't have meant anything. So the real question then comes, well then how is He in paradise? He's a criminal. Hmm, great question. The real question then is, can Jesus forgive? 
in His human flesh on earth. And if you want to rely on that as your only means of salvation, good luck. He had a few hours and it was it. We have a lot more opportunity to sin and for our hearts to get hardened. If you want to just trust in, oh, I believe He can forgive me, uh, good luck. That would only have worked until He died. Once He died, things changed, guys. So let's prove that Jesus has the power to forgive. Because we've got to answer that question, right? And we love this passage in Mark chapter 2 that will really prove He had the power to forgive sins in His bodily form while still alive on earth. In Mark chapter 2 verse 1, when He entered Capernaum again after some days, it was reported that He was at home. So many people gathered together that there was no more room, not even in the doorway, and He was speaking the word to them. They came to Him bringing a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they were not able to bring Him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above Him, and after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. Seeing their faith, not the paralytics, the ones who carried Him. We'll get back to that later. Son, you are healed. No, He didn't say that. Son, your sins are forgiven. What did He do to get His sins forgiven? It was the men who carried Him. Hmm. Maybe something about forgiveness requires more than you and Jesus. Maybe it requires family. Maybe it requires community. Loving one another, as Jesus did on the cross. Loving a penitent thief. I think this is amazing. But some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, why does He speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Exactly. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Great question. They didn't realize God was among them. And sometimes I think by how we live, we don't realize God is among us. Right away, Jesus perceived in the Spirit that they were thinking like this within themselves and said to them, now that's ought to scare you a little bit. Jesus doesn't just watch your actions, what you do. He looks in your heart and in your mind, and He knows what's going on. That ought to make us think twice, right? We can't hide from God. He knows what's going on in there, even if you don't. Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier? To say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he got up, took his mat, went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. The pronouncement is even greater than the miracle. I have authority on earth to forgive sins. That's what Jesus is saying. So if he has authority while he's still alive, because he's not dead yet, can he go to the penitent thief and go, yes, today you'll be with me in paradise? Absolutely. But he didn't really repent. How did he repent? 
Well, we know from the other Gospels, He was cursing too. But something changed. And though He may not be able to get off the cross and show repentance with action, He could change it in His mind. He could change it by taking ownership. He could change it by even rebuking the other criminal. Whatever He could do to repent, He did. I'm wrong. I deserve this. So do you. But this man deserves nothing. And he doesn't even ask forgiveness. He just says, remember me. Maybe just the thought of me will continue. I myself, I deserve to be condemned. And what a surprise that must have been. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Me? I didn't know what Madison was going to share today. But I see the Spirit working. Our identity is not in by just what we do or don't do. It's by how we think and how we allow God to move and change our hearts. He created us to be like Him. Jesus loved Him, even in that moment. I love this answer in one of the books, a commentary. It says, The answer to Jesus' question, which is easier, is of course the unverifiable claim to have forgiven the paralytic sins. After all, forgiveness of sins is a quality that cannot be checked against visible evidence. And so anyone can claim to forgive sins. Any one of them can say, I forgive you. Actually, having authority to do it is another thing altogether. But to prove he has the right to forgive sins, Jesus undertook the more verifiable, yet still remarkable, task of healing the man. It is actually easier to say, I forgive, but that doesn't mean you have the power to. But he raised him. And therefore, he could forgive. Okay. Okay, okay, I get that, Derek. But what about us then? Why can't we just be forgiven like that? Because once Jesus died, everything changed. What do you mean? This criminal just made it. In fact, that day. But what about us? What is expected of us who are still yet to live, although maybe today is your day, I don't know. But while you're breathing, what does He expect? Is it the Jesus prayer? Just ask God to forgive you? Is that what it is? There's no Scripture supporting that in the Bible. It never was prayed. You can't find it. Yet that's what we use today in so many denominational Christian faiths. Where's the support? I love this passage in Acts 17, which answers what's changed since that penitent thief got into paradise. In Acts 17, Paul is addressing some people there in Athens. He goes, Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent, because He has set a day when He is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man He has appointed. He has provided proof of this to everyone by raising Him from the dead. Once Jesus died, once He was buried, and once He was raised, that's the sign. And because that sign is proof to it, to that change, what is expected of all of us? To repent. Everywhere, all the time. Until that day comes for you. That's what's expected. There's no prayer to just ask for forgiveness. That's not how it works. He expects repentance. Why? See, because after His resurrection, Jesus still had a dream. 
He had a dream to the dying moments. There's one. Today you'll be with me in paradise. I guess there's no one else. It's finished. And then he's raised again, and he gets right back to his purpose. And so he gathers some people together, and you all know this passage, right? What's the dream for us? Paradise? Eventually, but it may not be today for you. So what's the dream? Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came near, and this is the resurrected Jesus, by the way. Jesus came near and said to him, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. If it was supposed to go to all nations and have them pray the Jesus prayer, that would be the time to tell you. Would it not? It's Peter speaking. Earlier we know Peter was given the keys to the kingdom. He's the one to open the door for us. Shouldn't if he said, guys, here it is, it's easy, just pray this little prayer. It's not there. He says, you must be baptized, and there's a condition for that baptism. You've got to be made a disciple who is baptized. You've got to know what a disciple is, what it means. You've got to already be starting to live that way. That's the candidate for the baptism. In the name of the Trinity, amen. For what? Teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. In other words, his dream must become our dream. I know you'll have pain. I know you're going to have opportunity to have to forgive those who offend you. But you better have a dream. And it needs to be my dream. You need to go to all nations. And it says, And remember I am with you always, to the very end of the age. To that day, where He can then say to us, like the penitent thief, Today, you'll be with me in paradise. I don't know when that day will be. But between now and that day, this is our dream. And if you remember hearing this the first time, you know it radically changed your life. I know it did for me. A lot of scriptures changed my life, but this one, this one really changed it. Because I was finally faced with the reality that I believe, but I did not follow. I did not do what Jesus commanded His apostles to command me to do. But I was given the opportunity. But I don't know how yet. Don't worry about it. I'll help you along the way. He makes you a fisher of men. You don't make yourself one. But this is our dream. Little did I know that I would literally get to do it going to different nations. But you don't have to go across land and sea. Guys, we got over 50 nations represented in the DFW Metroplex. You don't have to go anywhere to convert the nations. In fact, they didn't either. These men who heard Jesus say, I have a dream and it now needs to be your dream. Very shortly later, 50 days after He raised from the dead, there happened to be a bunch of people from a lot of different nations. Acts 2.5 Now there were staying in Jerusalem devout people from every nation under heaven. Well, here's the first opportunity for the followers of Jesus to see did they get it. Did they grab the dream? Remember that old video? Oslo planning? Grab the dream. Okay, you're not old enough, some of you. All right. Some of us, they, we, we remember that, that video. Grab the dream. I actually got to plant the Oslo church. 
but I wasn't there for the video. Grab the dream. Acts 2.17. As, as Peter described this event, all these nations... He says, it will be in the last days, says God, I will pour out My Spirit on all people. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. What is Peter saying? It was Jesus' dream to His dying breath and even when He raised again. Now it's our dream and now it's your dream. That's what he's saying. Until today is your today. But your today is not hopefully today. But if it is, I hope you're ready. But until that day, what does He expect of us? To fulfill His dream. He goes on later and He makes it very clear. Verse 36 of chapter 2 of Acts. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, which, by the way, a lot of these people weren't there necessarily during the Passover. They came 50 days later. How did they crucify Him? Through their sin. And like we said, guys, we're one of the two criminals. We're all sinners. The question is, are you a repentant one or not? That's the only choices we have. But thank God for the man in the middle, Jesus, who can give us a choice of who we're going to be. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. I love that it didn't say they were convinced in their mind. Too many of us limit faith to just whether I get it or not. If it's just logic, then no faith is required. But it is very logical if you actually look at it deeply. But I love the fact to know it's got to get in your heart. When a dream is only here, you only have so much energy to fulfill it. But if you can get that dream from here to here, now we're talking. And they were cut to the heart. I think you remember when that happened to you the first time. When that word finally so much like that guy was sharing, at 2.30 every morning I kept, I kept just thinking about those Scriptures and he got cut to the heart. I need to get baptized. That's what happens when you're cut to the heart. So he said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? If there's any time... To give the Jesus prayer, it's right here. What do I need to do? Here, here's a little track to say this little prayer. It'll all be good. He didn't do that. It's not there. Where did that come from? It's an interesting history. You ought to look it up. You'd be surprised. He says, just like Jesus, the first word of the gospel, do you know what it is? The first time Jesus preached, the very first word, repent. For the kingdom of God is near. So when Peter now has a chance, okay, that was Jesus' dream, now it's my dream, now it's going to be made your dream, how do we do that? How do you do it? Repent! And be baptized. Each of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who far off. Do you see that dream just multiplying? As many as the Lord our God will call. With many other words. Man, I wish they wrote down that sermon. He testified and strongly urged him saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. That could be said of today, right? So those who accepted his message, which means those who don't do what's following, didn't accept his message. 
So what did they do that showed they accepted it? They were baptized. And that day about 3,000 people were added to them. Hmm. You want that dream, guys? There's only one way to get it. And they could have a lot more lessons here of how baptism is the key to where forgiveness takes place in receiving of the Spirit. We can say that for another topic, but it's there. And it's expected. We must repent and be baptized. Which means repentance leads to the dream. The problem is, is when I say repent, we have the wrong definition in our mind. We think it's like this harsh word, like, get in line. Change now or forever hold your peace. Like we got this weird connotation. What is repentance? We think it's like, okay, we got to turn away. That's not actually what repentance is. So let's define it quickly here. Metanoio, which is I repent. That's the Greek metanoio. It's to, to change any or all the elements composing one's life, attitude, thoughts, and behaviors concerning the demands of God for right living. It's made up of two words. The first one is meta. This means, the actual Greek word means after. The force of after implies a before. That there was a before condition, but the focus is not on the before condition. It's focused on the after condition. It's a shift. It's a change. The picture places the emphasis on the after rather than the before. So true repentance is not turning from something. It's turning to the after, towards something. Think of Jesus. Repent. The kingdom of God is near. He didn't say repent or you're going to hell. That's where you are right now. That's where you're... No, He didn't focus on the before. Right. He said repent. Because guys, look over here. The kingdom of God is near. I know that where you are right now. I know that's not very promising. But guys, I'll, I will deal with that. I'm going to the cross for that. But if you'll turn to me, if you'll change your mind and think to the after, guys, this is where we're going. This is the paradise that the pendant thief got to join that day. That's what he's invited us to. Wow. And then the noia. That has to do with the brain. The mind. That denotes a much bigger idea than a physical organ. It's encompassing one's mindset, ideology, worldview. Did the pendant thief change his mind more than his actions? Absolutely. And that was enough. But no, no, he needs to show the fruit of repentance. He didn't have much time to do that. But he did what he could. And Jesus looked at him and go. Today you'll be with me in paradise. We are enough with God. But our day is not today, perhaps. So we got to continue to repent. Yeah, I know you're all feeling it now. I wish I were the penitent thief. Man, just a couple hours and I'm in. Man. I don't know if you want to be on that cross though, but anyways, I get you. Man, it was just over. I think of that with my dad who was baptized on his deathbed. It's like, man, he just he got in. And we can go, but that's not fair. I'm just glad he's in. And he got in quicker and easier than me. Praise the Lord. He's going to help me get there. He's going to help you get there. He's going to help us get there. 
as long as we continue to repent. From something? No. Toward something. I love these two quotes from different books about repentance. We're almost done here. Metanoia, this is by Ed Anton, great book on repentance. Metanoia results in a rejection of sinfulness because of its fierce pursuit of a righteous future, abandoned sin to an obsolete past. Repentance isn't something we do so that we can return to God. Repentance is our return to God. Oh, I love that. Who wants to get back with God? Then you got to hold your hand up and go, I want to repent. And guess what? You don't just have to repent from sin. Because it's not repenting from something. It's repenting towards something. You may not be in cardinal sin right now. But are you repenting towards something greater than you are now? Do you have a dream greater than just showing up? That's repentance. So wherever I'm at, there's always room to go forward rather than backward. Because repentance is the after, not the before. I like this one by C.S. Lewis. This repentance, this willing submission to humiliation and a kind of death, is not something that God demands of you before He will take you back. It is simply a description of what going back to Him is like. If you ask God to take you back without it, you are really asking Him to let you go back without going back. It cannot happen. Very well then, we must go through it. Oh, we must repent. Guys, repentance is not turning from impurity. It's turning to purity. Repentance is not turning from anger. It's turning to peace. It's not turning from selfishness. It's turning to unconditional love. It's not turning from worldliness. It's turning to spirituality. It's not turning from greed. It's turning to generosity. It's not turning from lies. It's turning to the truth. It's not being the criminal. It's being the repentant criminal where Jesus says, Today you'll be with me in paradise. Guys, that's the dream. That's what we're called to. What does this story of the penitent thief tell us? We all have an opportunity to decide which criminal will be. Change your mind. Repent. Turn towards something greater in your life. Be more like Jesus in one area this week than you never were before. Because that's what He looks at. He already paid the price. You're already valuable enough. The question is, do you have His dream? See, one day, all the ones that we help to become disciples, they'll celebrate with us when we all get to hear the wonderful words that the repentant criminal heard. Today, you'll be with me in paradise.